to the Total Car Score podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. So here we are finishing our special series with BMW here in uh, Palm Springs, California, the BMW Performance Center at the Thermal, Thermal Club. I keep forgetting the name of it, like all week here. I mean, all days here I've been forgetting. I thought it was named something else, but I don't know why. It's just in my head. I'm, I don't know why. But anyway, we're going to finish with the person that probably knows more about BMW that was invited to this uh, event. Jackie George, how are you? Good. How are you, Javier? Good. Thank you. And I always enjoy coming to programs when you find someone who knows way more than you <laughs> because you learn And it's true. I mean, like you are the de facto historian of BMW in the USA? Well, I think I'm the only one really doing it. So I think that does make me the de facto historian of BMW in the USA. Um, I got really lucky. I was editing Bimmer magazine uh, really from about September 1999 through the end of 2016. And in that capacity, I wrote a lot about the new cars as they came out, but I also had the opportunity to delve into BMW history thanks to people like Andreas Klugescheid and Larry Koch, um, yeah. who put me in old cars when I was either in Munich or you know at, at you know coming out of New Jersey or doing rallies or whatever. So that really piqued my interest in BMW history, and not just the automotive side and you know driving old cars, but the history of the company itself as a business, because I, when I was in college, I was a, an English and history major, and I yeah. really focused on, on the 20th century. And the story of BMW really is the story of the 20th century. And yeah. was the history of the 20th century in Europe or in general? Or well, in, in Europe specifically. I mean, I and then, you know, when I was in graduate school, I did a lot of work in modern European intellectual history, yeah. um, which is sort of a multidisciplinary way of looking at history through art and, and psychology and culture and, you know, everything, you know. Yeah including war and diplomacy and politics, but in, it brings in a lot of other aspects of, of how we live. And the study of BMW really works well within that discipline because you have to understand, in order to understand what happens within the company, you have to understand what's happening outside I the know, company. Around the, around the around company. Around the company. Um, you know, they began as a manufacturer of aircraft engines during World War One. And then, of course, you know, Germany lost, as we yeah. know, so that that business was completely shattered and they had to reconstitute themselves, um, you know, following the Versailles Treaty prohibitions against military armament into a manufacturer of engines and then motorcycles and, and kitchen then, appliances. No, that was after World War II. Oh, the second, one, World the second War time II. they that lost. The second time. So this is this is a, a recurring okay, theme okay. here. Um <clears throat> motorcycles and then automobiles starting in 19, you know, the end of 1928, 1929, you know, and then they're hit by the Great Depression. Yeah. You know, so that creates a crisis, but they adapt with products that are really well suited to, you know, the circumstances and which take advantage of, you know, certain tax structures, um, you know, regulations regarding licensing. Yeah. And, you know, and, and they're very clever in that way. But, it, you know, when you're looking at the products, you end up learning so much about the world in which they were created. And that's what's really interesting to me. And then, of course, you know, you have the rise of Hitler in the 1930s. Yeah. And 
the rearming of Germany. And of course, as an aircraft engine manufacturer, which they had started up again, you know, BMW is intrinsically involved with that. And of course, that leads to their destruction. They're, you know, a prime target of allied bombing uh-huh. during World War Two. And, and they they lost a lot of their their physical plants were destroyed, not all, but a good percentage of them. And and then, of course, again, they're prohibited after the war from building aircraft engines, <laughs> yeah. which is their principal business. So they reconstitute themselves yet again as a manufacturer, first of motorcycles and then of cars. And that's, you know, they made a few forays into aircraft um, businesses after that, but they never really went full tilt into it. They had sold their largest plant. And that's actually now the MAN factory in Munich near, or near Munich in Alloc. And... Their reinvention of themselves as a peacetime manufacturer of mobility products, I think that's, you know, to use a modern term, has really been remarkable. And I think that there's a good lesson for all of us, you know, in the sense that, you know, you can be you can be successful without engaging in some of the worst aspects of being human. Yeah. You know, you can we can do better and we can you know, we can do well by doing good. Yeah. And you have to admire the Germans because the way they they focus on something that what do they say? There's no plan B because plan A has to work, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Yeah, but, I know. You know. But no, like you go, I mean, and you, you we were just in Munich uh, mm-hmm. in September, and uh, you go and everything is so mm-hmm. well organized and everything works, everything's on time. Sometimes too strict, sometimes <laughs> to my taste. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but, mine uh, too. But you see how the discipline comes to the result of something like this, like this beautiful garden mm-hmm. we're sitting in and like yeah. all the others, right? Absolutely. And I also think that German industry lives in the real world. You know, they're not living in a fantasy in yeah. which the internal combustion engine goes on forever. Because I think we, we have to recognize, as much as we love cars and we love high performance and all of that, that, you know, that is really a 20th century thing. Yeah. And the fact that BMW is reconstituting itself yet again as as a leader in electromobility. And I think that, you know, the perception is is that they're a little bit behind the curve. And I think they may have lost their focus, at least certainly from at the... At some point. Well, you know, they came out with the i3 yeah, and the i8... Almost 10 very, years ago, very, right? Yeah, 10 years ago. And then everything sort of receded into the background. And it's hard to know what was actually happening behind the scenes, whether they abandoned that program or whether they well, nobody simply... was making money with the... still not making yeah. nobody's making they money. They were they were a little bit ahead of the curve I think in terms of releasing these these revolutionary products. Yeah. And I think they had to pull back a little bit, you know, really to save profitability. Do you remember in the LA Auto Show maybe 10 years ago, 12 maybe? There was a, B, a 7 series with a hydrogen technology yeah. and and it read on the side of the car, we're ready. Yeah. When you are, <laughs> yeah. for where you are, for where you are. Right, we're so, not ready for hydrogen. Exactly. And, you know, they they persisted with hydrogen for a long time. They had actually started exploring, you know, hydrogen as an internal combustion fuel source in the 70s. And they went through, I believe, five generations of cars with yeah. hydrogen, you know, variations on the hydrogen power plant. And, you know, I think if you... I don't know why they got so fixed on hydrogen because it's the most ridiculous source of fuel you can possibly imagine. It it ends up in this huge net loss of energy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why, you know, okay, zero tailpipe emissions other than water vapor, but what about the process? You know, the whole process is just absurd, you know? So I think they did 
persist with that. And of course, now they're pursuing hydrogen fuel cells, which are supposedly superior because they're, you know, the only source of storage under yeah. certain circumstances. But anyway, I'm, I'm a little bit of a hydrogen skeptic, <laughs> you well, know. I guess everybody is yeah. because like, the, the infrastructure, as you said, is so complicated mm -hmm. and difficult. And there are not any models. I mean, there are a few, like the mm -hmm. Toyota Mirai yeah. and some others, but really not like Honda killed mm -hmm. the, what, what, the inside. Yeah. Uh, so like they're not an example. But on the other hand, this year, I believe we've seen such a tipping point in, in the influx of new electric models. And Absolutely. we were in Munich mm -hmm. with the i4 and mm -hmm. the iX, which are amazing. I yes. Think. I thought they were like really, really But cool. that's still embargoed. No. Yes, the i4 impression is embargoed until January. No, the M60 only. The oh, 50, okay. The okay. 50 lifted in a way. I published my video Oh, okay. Already. All right. Well, I so interviewed <laughs> David Fierrofino Camacho, the okay. head, head product uh, manager. So, yeah. no, we're... Okay. We're okay. All right. No, no. <laughs> like, I mean, whoa, hold on. No, no, no. The 60 is the one that we just take pictures of. Yeah. So, yeah. we cannot even say okay. that we did. But, okay. Anyway. But, you know, I think you're absolutely right about a tipping point. And I think that um, BMW is really well positioned to, to both capture the market that wants their cars to reflect the power plant in the sense that if you're driving, you know, either a hybrid or a pure electric car, it should look different than a car with an yeah. internal combustion engine. And also those who want their cars to just look like a BMW in a traditional sense, but still have... And drive like a BMW. And drive like a BMW and still have the traditional, you know, still have the, you know, the electric power plant underneath it. So, you know, they're appeasing a lot of constituencies here. And I also think that they're... You know, everybody thinks that all electric cars are going to feel the same. And as you know, they don't. They don't, no. They don't. And, you know, and the key to, you know, to BMW's electric lineup really is that they will still feel like BMWs. They'll still be agile. They'll still be fun to drive. They'll the still be, you know. driving machine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think there's even more potential with that, with the, with the electric drivetrain, than there is with internal combustion. And that may sound, you know, antithetical to everything we know about BMW, but just wait until you drive them. Yeah, exactly. And as you <laughs> said, they are so different that even within the group, the Mini, which is part of mm -hmm. the group, along with Rolls-Royce, drives completely different than any BMW, the i3, right. for example. Yeah. Right? right? Mm -hmm. So, like, they're doing uh, small adjustments and engineering and really clever designing also yeah. to make them different. And, like, that's what... But I also believe that the only way people are going to get convinced about electric cars is when they sit on there and drive them. They're yeah. like, we can write, do videos, like, yeah. do podcasts, <laughs> do whatever interviews. But as long as people don't drive them, like, and they don't know and they still have yeah. those... Yeah, ideas in their heads, they're going to be convinced. And I think driving it is is something that will surprise people. If you haven't driven an electric car, you really owe yourself the favor of doing so because yeah. they're really fun. I know. They're just a blast. And, okay, yes, the sounds are different, but they're and they can be silent. They can operate silently, yeah. but there are different sounds. And you just become attuned to, to different things about the driving experience. Yeah. And, and I also, you know, to speak to silence... I think silence is a really precious commodity. Yeah, it's a new luxury. It, it is, you know, it is the new luxury. And when you can be in an environment and go back to the i3, which was their original electric car, I've driven through downtown Los Angeles a million times and I was never relaxed while I doing know. so no, until no, I did exactly. it in an i3. And I so, was yeah, like, the experience behind yeah. the wheel and everything that happens inside and outside the car actually yeah. is, is completely different. People should experience it. But anyway, I mean, um, again, 
Jacqueline, you know so much about BMW, over 105 <laughs> years of history of the company. Yeah, 105 and, official years, officially. but a few, it really goes so back, you know, putting farther. Putting them in like 12, 13 minutes is kind of hard. <laughs> but, uh, so you just came up with a new book, right? I did. I actually, um, I've written nine books on BMW history. And the latest is called BMW in the USA, 1938 to 1975. And this covers the period before the war when a few, when a handful of individuals were bringing in sports cars yeah. to the United States just on their own. And, and then after the war, when the U.S. was occupying um, Bavaria, where Munich is yeah. located, you know, U.S. service members were discovering BMWs and started bringing them back to the States. And then, of course, BMW had its official imports, began in 1954 with independent importers Fred Oppenheimer and Max Hoffman. So it's the story of those years, the wow. pre-BMW of North America years. And the book is available already on all the yeah. platforms, Amazon? Yeah, everywhere. It's, it's available from Amazon, and, you know, and so are all of my other books, you know, History of the 2002, A History of the Z Cars, What else? Finding Elvis's 507. Oh, I remember that story when we visited the Classic Center. <laughs> exactly. That was, that was cool. kind of funny. but Well, we'll do another episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll that. do another one. <laughs> so, Jacqueline, thank you very much for everything. And uh, for all the rest of the audience, please listen to all the other episodes. Mini, the Performance Center, Motorrad, uh, Bill Oberland. So, really fun days here with BMW and hope to see you soon again. Absolutely. Thanks, Javier. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com.